he is going to uh, do the rest of the service for us. Ayuba, please come front. Praise the Lord. I bring you greetings uh, from Nigeria. And uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here once again. I'm going to share very briefly from the Word of God, and I would like us to bow down in prayers. Our Father, it's a pleasure once again for us to come to your feet to honor and to worship you and to adore your holy name. Father, we pray that you, again, continue to lead us in this service, that your name and your name alone will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look uh, very briefly this morning in the book of John, the book of St. John, chapter 3, oh, sorry, chapter 9. I'll be reading from the King James Version. John chapter 3, oh sorry, John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Gospel according to St. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither, this, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man walked. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had spoken, he spat on the ground, made the clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. Praise the Lord. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? This is certainly one of the most profound questions and the most difficult questions in the New Testament and in life entirely. Why are some people born blind? Why are some people crippled by polio? Why do these unfortunate kinds of things happen in life? Did God cause these things to happen? Or Satan? Or the sin of our parents? Or our own sin? Or what? You might not be blind or crippled by polio, but I imagine most, if not all of us, have asked these kind of questions at one point in time in our lives. We all have defects in our bodies, 
and in our soul. None of us has a perfect body or a perfect brain. If given the chance, I'm sure there isn't one person here who would not want to change something about himself or herself. I'm sure that all of us have wished at some time that we were taller or a bit shorter. I'm sure that most of us have wished at a point that we are thinner. <laughs> and I'm sure that many of us at one point have, uh, you know, when I first came to the U.S. about three years ago, one thing that strikes me was on the television, there's a lot of adverts. We don't see too many advertisements about food in Nigeria. But uh, you see a lot of, uh, you know, McDonald's and everywhere advertising food. And then shortly thereafter, you see a lot of adverts on how to lose weight, how, how to lose weight in seven days and all that. So I was a bit confused. I, I said, why are these people eating this much? And uh, now suddenly you pay money to gain the weight and then you pay money to want to lose the weight again. <laughs> well, you know, and so, but, so we wish to change something about ourselves. But there is nothing we can do about, there's nothing we can do actually to change our birth. None of us choose our parents. None of us choose whether we were tall or short or whether we were blind or whether we had polio or whatever. In fact, there are many things over which we have no choice. I call them all our unchangeables things we cannot change about our personalities. All of us are born with certain unchangeables. These are the things that we had no choice about and that we cannot change. But obviously, these unchangeables are part of God's design for our lives. In fact, God has given us at least 10 unchangeables. Our parents... None of us chose our parents. Our time in history, whether we were born 100 years, whether we were born 50 years in the future, wasn't our making. The color of our skin, none of us chose to be black or white. I'm not a black man by choice, even though I'm proud I'm black. The country of our birth wasn't our own making as well. So all these in the design and in the plan that God has for us. None of us chose whether we were born a boy or a girl. We didn't choose the order of our birth, whether we were the first in the family or whether we were somewhere in the middle or whether we were the last. All of this, we did not influence them. We didn't choose our physical futures. Neither did we choose our mental abilities. These are all gifts. These are all the design that God has and we will have little or no choice about our aging and our dying. When the disciples of Jesus asked about the man born blind, whether blindness was caused by his own sin or that of his parents, Jesus gave a very profound answer. And uh, you particularly, uh, the answer of Jesus was quite striking because it gives a very clear insight 
than previous translation. I mean, give a very clear insight. Uh, there's a lot of advancement, there's a lot of progress in the U.S. Back home in Nigeria, the question the disciple asks is a question that is still being asked even today when similar, uh, you know, uh, circumstances occur. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now all, now we all know the rest of the story, how Jesus spat on the ground and made the clay and he washed his eyes. But I think Jesus was making a universal statement about blindness and polio and all other disabilities and defects and all other unchangeable in the life uh, we live. These disabilities and unchangeables are designed by God to produce character in us and to help us conform to the image of God. God allows defects in our unchangeables make up in order to keep us humble. In the book of James, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, God gives grace to the humble. So if these defects develop humbleness within us, then we can receive the grace of God and we are enabled to develop a Christ-like character. Thus, as we develop humbleness and thereby receive the grace of God, God's work may be displayed in our lives. It probably won't mean that the the blindness or the polio or whatever may go, but it may mean that God can do mighty works through us because of the Christ, I mean because of the Christ-like character and the grace which is working through us because of our unchangeables. The sad thing, however, is that most of us resent our unchangeables. We resent our defects and disabilities and thereby resist the grace of God upon our lives. If we develop bitterness in our lives, then we miss God's great potential and design that he had in mind when he met us and gave us our unchangeables. It is most important that we understand that none of us is an accident child. So God is a supreme being. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is always in control. He doesn't nap. So it can, an accident cannot occur when God is in control. Now what this means is that we are all prescription babies. And the book of Psalms 139 talks about this. We are all prescription babies. God saw us before we were created. And this, so when we resent the unchangeable defects of our life, we are really being angry with God, angry at God. We compare ourselves to others, and then we develop an underlying bitterness, looking toward God because we are not as gifted, we are not as good a football player as our friends, we are not as good a preacher as our neighbors or relations, and all that. So we need to ask ourselves, what am I doing with God's design for my life? Have I accepted my unchangeable defects as God's plan? Have I tried to use these defects to develop Christ-like character? Or have I allowed bitterness to hold off God's grace upon my life? 
it was difficult for me to give my life to Christ because I was living in bitterness. I was angry. I was not happy with God. I didn't believe that God is all loving and caring. And I asked the question, if he was, why did he allow polio cripple my legs? And so I pushed away any opportunity to yield my life to Christ because I was living in bitterness. And sometimes I would sleep and wake up to discover I have been crying in my sleep. You know, so it was hard and it was tough. But when I eventually yield my life to Christ and I, I discovered a new meaning, then all my prayers, all my heart desire was, Lord, when will I regain the use of my legs? Because I, I was four years plus when I came down with polio. And I could barely remember when I was a normal child, when I used to walk on my legs. So uh, I, 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 was, I was bitter. And I'm sure there are people out there who are not so happy with their makeup in life. God is not finished with us yet. These unchangeable defects that we all have can either make us or mar us. The sad thing, I mean, so the big question now is what, how are you going to respond to God's design for your life? If we respond to our disabilities and handicaps with resentment and bitterness and self-rejection, we are headed for trouble. And then the question is, how is the work of God being displayed in your life? Are we letting God use our disabilities and defects for his glory and as an instrument for grace? Let us thank God for our lives, for the gift of our bodies, and most of all, thank him for our unchangeable defects. It's been one and a half year since I uh, came uh, to this <clears throat> chapel, and uh, we have never stopped thanking you for all the tremendous support that we have received uh, from this assembly, particularly uh, the gift of the generator. You know that in Africa and in most developing world, power is still a big issue. And the ministry that God has called us to do, we require power almost 100%. Without power, nothing is done. And so the gift of a generator that we got from this assembly was a big, big relief. <clears throat> But as it turned out to be, uh, that generator was not meant for us because all of the hiccups, all of the delays, all of the bottlenecks that we had between here and getting the gen to Nigeria, I'm sure, were God's design. As it is now, the Lord blessed us with a gen uh, last year from Rotary International, and that has really brought us so much relief. But I'm excited and I'm grateful to God that this gen is going somewhere where it is much needed. You know, this school had been destroyed uh, during the civil unrest that took place, the Jukum Takun, and it's a big, big school that has produced many great leaders in the church and in society, and all of this was destroyed. So now this journey is going in as part of the effort to revive the school. So we are really grateful. We want to thank you once again for all the love and the concern. Uh, God has helped us this far, and uh, we've been able to make and distribute over 
3,800 wheelchairs uh, so far, and there are still a very long waiting list, hundreds of thousands of people. You know, as I said earlier, polio has generated a lot of concern, and a lot of donor agencies have gotten involved. Hundreds of millions of U.S. dollars have been raised over the past 25 years to fight polio. Unfortunately, uh, unlike in the case of HIV AIDS and other pandemics, the approach in fighting polio was a one-way approach. All of the resources, all of whatever comes in only goes to address the prevention aspect. And nothing was done to the polio survivors. To those who have been victimized by polio, they were simply abandoned to their fate. And the little effort we do is about the only serious, uh, you know, hope-restoring measure. And if you have come down with polio, if you crawl on your hands and knees, there is hardly any rehabilitation that will succeed, you know, so long as you are crawling on the ground. So giving out the wheelchairs, picking the people from the ground and putting them on, and then they rest, regain their ability to move, you know, from point A to point B, that restores a lot of hope to these people. And from there, you can build on uh, the rest of the things. You know, we are registered with the name Beautiful Gave Handicap Center. And there are a lot of things. That name is very, very significant to us because uh, I personally experienced something. You know, long when I was in, in the college, I was paddling one of these wheelchairs that I got from my uncle to an early morning church service. And uh, the security man stopped me as I was make, passing the gate and he said, Beggars are not allowed beyond this point. He said, he pointed at the direction that he wanted me to go and sit down and beg. And I was still a teenager. I was still full of myself. I was really angry, and I, I wanted to give it back to him, but somehow the Lord calmed me down. And as I sat in church that day, I kept reflecting on what happened, and I read the book of Acts chapter 3, the story of the man, you know, uh, that was born, crippled lame from birth, and how that they kept him at the door and take him back home and all, all the time. And the, many questions came to my mind. And the one question was, why did they choose to, to keep this man at the door of the beautiful gate? Why didn't they bring them into the church and let him worship with them and then go back home? The Bible says they keep him, you know, every Sabbath and they take him back home and all that. Now, all that story changed when Peter and John ministered to him. And what we are doing is that there are still hundreds, all of these people that have been victimized by polio and living with other disabilities are still at the beautiful gate of the churches that we have in Nigeria. And so what we try to do is to reenact the beautiful gate experience in the life of as many disabled persons as possible. The turmoil and the crisis in Jaws has affected us uh, pretty badly. You know, we have 22 staff that are working, and about five of them are Muslims, and the rest are Christians. Uh, the crisis that started since 2002 in Jaws hasn't abated, and it's getting worse and worse. So as it is now, the city is, is segmented. There are particular areas that are controlled by the Muslims, and the particular areas that are under Christian control. And if you venture into either way, you know, if you belong to the other side, it can be very fatal, it can be very deadly. So many people have ventured to different sections of the town and have not shown up till now. So I got a delegation from the neighborhood, and they said, we wouldn't want your Muslim staff to report to work here again 
I tried to explain to them, I tried to pacify, but they said we cannot guarantee their safety if they come here. So uh, we have had to almost lose our base. And it so happened that these five staff are the most experienced, they are the most dedicated, they are the longest serving of all our staff. And so if we lose them, then it will almost mean starting over all over again. So what I did was to get an, a temporary place in a Muslim place that's fairly safe, and they do part of the work there, then we move it in to the main shop and complete it. So this posed a very serious challenge, and uh, it's coming at a time that we were already overstretching the facility. So we're trusting God to uh, get a bigger property in a neutral area. There are communities that are still safe. We call them neutral zones. So either party can come in and there will be any molestation or intimidation. Uh, at the end of last year, we started doing prosthetic uh, because there are lots of amputations. Uh, the healthcare services are so poor and the attitude of people towards medication is, is almost zero so that there are lots of diabetics and people don't know and by the time they get to hospital, it's already too late. So there are hundreds of amputations yearly, lots of machine accidents, lot of motor accidents, and uh, all of these people show up when we're doing screening for wheelchair presentation. And I thought these people do not really require wheelchairs. And all they have is, if they have a piece of prosthetics, they can regain their legs almost 100%. So that we started last year, and uh, God has really blessed us. My wife and two kids also sent their greetings. Uh, Joseph is now three years plus, and we have little Ken Pear. Ken Pear means favor in my local dialect, and uh, we also call her Olivia. She is one year plus, and uh, send their greetings. I uh, want to say once again that we appreciate the opportunity to share fellowship. We appreciate the opportunity to uh, contribute in the vineyard of the Lord together, and I uh, wish and pray that the good Lord will bless you all. Thank you, and God bless. Okay.